0: Oh, hey there, hello and welcome! It is time for the AEW Dynamite review here on the Mister Warren Hayes Show YouTube channel and podcast locations wherever you can find the Mister Warren Hayes Show, a pro wrestling podcast. This is what you're listening to today on Thursday, August 31st. Hello and welcome, and welcome uh, to. There's a fair chance that if you you might be new here, and this is your first. Uh, time that you uh, listen to anything I do well, man, I appreciate it Like, there's a whole bunch of uh, new subscribers that popped in and uh, uh, I, I guess things are going well so that's always a good sign but thank you everyone I'm talking about on the YouTube side of things lots of new people popping in that's amazing and then we do this every Thursday we just sit down and recap the previous night's uh, dynamite uh and uh that's essentially what we're We're gonna do this on on sunday for collision 2 we're gonna sneak this in before all out happens so uh, i'm glad you're here thank you for being here and thank you for the continuous support also on the audio side of things y'all are fantastic you want to talk about support likes subscriptions here on youtube and ratings and reviews over on uh on the podcast on the audio side of things on your favorite podcast application those things really do help growth tremendously so i'm only assuming that me pestering everyone to leave likes and stuff is actually paying off so i'm gonna continue you can't prove me wrong here i must be doing something right (laughs) thank you everyone uh for being here um yeah i mean look we're gonna get right to it the uh uh, the uh uh, uh august uh, 30th edition of dynamite the um the, uh, the the dynamite after all in essentially is what we're going to be talking about to place at uh at the Hoffman Estates Now Arena and i appreciate like this is from this is from cage match right i appreciate um uh, cage match differentiating between you know Hoffman Estates and uh, and Chicago, because I was told by many, many, many local Chicagoans, Chicagoans, Chicagoans—it's probably Chicagoans, Chicagoans, Chicago, Chicagoites—people living in Chicago—that uh, you can't, in good faith, call you know Hoffman Estates, Chicago. You can't because it's 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 too far away. You know, it's, it just doesn't work. So, uh, I'm pretty sure that the distinction on cage match is important, despite the fact that everyone's going, "Hello, Chicago!" You know, everyone coming out. They're in Hoffman Estates, of course. It's not as um, captivating for this for the, for the for the mind. You know, if we were to, um, it, it, it it's not as captivating. Um, for uh, for the imagination, that's what I'm trying to say. If uh, if we end up with uh, if we talk about Hoffman Estates as opposed to Chicago, Chicago, you get an impression. Hoffman Estates is, feels like what is it? Just like a bunch of uh, just a bunch of apartment buildings. Is it like a gated community? What is this? This took place at the Now Arena. Uh, 3,387 distributed tickets, according to WrestleTix, as of today. For a setup of 4,439. Um, yeah, you know, just a uh, we're we, we're not far off the the average, but uh, you know, still we're, we're we're not we're not breaking attendance records here, folks. Uh, very very average stuff. Um, leading into All Out, which is happening. What happened to my voice there? All out. All out. All leading to all out. What great audio. (laughs) All leading to all out, which is happening, uh, of course, this weekend. uh, And on September 3rd, the big Labor Day show. um, Which is, by the way, happening in Chicago. This, you can't, uh, you know, you, you can't fool around with this too much. This is happening at the United Center in Chicago. Um... You know, since I won't have an opportunity to really talk about it more before the day of the event, and then, you know, there's a lot of points that might be moot by then. Um, Right now, according to WrestleTix, again, 9,244 tickets have been distributed uh, for a setup of 11,001 so far. Um, This, if we continue down this path, we are on pace for, well, the show is already drawing better this year than the 2022 show. So the 2023 all out despite you know everything that we've been told about it's never going to work, you know, with Wembley one week previous so on and so forth. It's right now according to WrestleTix of course, but who is fairly, you know, rather reliable. I don't want to say fairly reliable because that sounds off. Rather reliable um you know the the you know, the uh their estimates right now have the tickets at uh 9244 uh all out last year had 9039 distributed tickets so right now uh all out this year is outpacing last year the question is will it outpace the 2021 all out that, uh, which was, of course, CM Punk's first pay-per-view, his first match since returning, right? It was the Darby Allin match. 10,164 tickets were distributed that they posted this as a sellout. Um, I mean, look, because we're not all that far off. We're like less than 1,000 tickets and we're right up there with last year, uh, with uh, two years ago when it was the big punk return i don't know what what you know what you need to read into this um i don't know if you want to add this to any discourse that you have in regards to punk's drawing capabilities or not because for all intents and purposes right now as of when i'm recording this over lunch on on august 31st again this you know Things move fast. CM Punk has not been announced for for All Out this weekend. We have three more hours of AEW programming between now and the pape. So anything can happen, right? Anything can, you know, we've got, you know, there's even an angle with uh, Ricky Starks challenging, uh, who wants to challenge ricky the dragon steamboat on collision on saturday to a strap match on all out now if you ask me that's nonsense and you know it won't happen but you can absolutely see dragon going uh yeah you know what i'll i won't accept because i'm 70 years old you little asshole (laughs) you want to beat up on an old man no i'll have someone fight for me by proxy and then he picks cm punk so that's possible I'm not saying that this is not going to I am absolutely not sitting here and telling you CM Punk is you know his suspension is preventing him I there are I went over the the entire CM Punk stuff on the podcast this week and if you want to jump in on it uh, pop it right in it's in the midst of my all-out review that, that that we talk about everything that CM Punk was up to this week With Jack Perry and, you know, acting like, acting insane minutes before the biggest pay-per-view show in the history, the biggest wrestling show in the history of pro wrestling, just a few minutes before that, he decides to throw a fit, decides to conduct business as they like to say. So I'm not rehashing all of that, but I think you already f- I think I think you've figured out how I feel about it. So we're not rehashing that. So is he suspended? Is he not? And so on and so forth. Will he be on the uh, on the card? I look, we're gonna find I'm gonna find out at the same time as all of y'all. I have no indication. My hunts are talking. There's nothing, nothing about this at all. So I can absolutely see. Ricky Steamboat going, yeah, no, I'm not going to fight, but I'll have this guy fight for me, and CM Punk comes out. I think that's entirely a possibility. You know, it could be anyone else on the roster. Could be a nice surprise, could be a nice return. I saw people throwing around Hangman Adam Page, and I'm like, you know what? You know what would make this even more delicious that this would happen on Collision if it was Page? Anyway. I I don't want to get into fantasy booking. I, I I don't and we got more than enough stuff to talk about before instead of me going down this path. But clearly right now the um the show's on pace to do better to the show the show is on pace to do better than last year and it might come close. I don't know if I don't know if what, what do we need? Like, uh, according to WrestleTickets, of course, right? like about 900 tickets or so, a little less, a little less than 900 tickets. I don't know if AEW can push 900 extra tickets from now to Sunday. But there will be more tickets sold. There will be an uptick. Um. So we're closer to 2021 All Out, than last year which I think is a I think that's a good sign I think it's a good sign because I think it is reasonable to believe that as far as the pay-per-view business goes you know if we believe Tony in saying that the numbers for All Out were tremendous and huge um, and that everyone bought it and you know so on and so forth uh, I think it is reasonable to expect All Out to buck the trend that AEW has had recently over the past year or so regarding its pay-per-views being, you know, in the vicinity of 135 to 145,000 buys. That's that's where they've settled and you know, you know, I'd say even the average one. Let's just call the average 140,000. That's where they've been. That's where they've been living at for the past few months and I think those are tremendously good numbers and they've been stable. I think that it is reasonable to expect All Out to underperform because of Wembley, because they're both being billed as, um, because they're both being billed as premium events. Notice I forgot a word here or I omitted a word and that was my choice, but you know, both like $60 tickets to watch this from home and you just spent your $60 on Wembley. Are you going to spend another $60 on All Out? And a lot of people in my, you know, around me were saying, well, it depends on the card and a lot of the card has been revealed, and I don't think there is tons of motivation for a lot of people around me to buy the show because of how the card looks right now. Is it, In all honesty, it doesn't look like a mind-boggling uh, 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 must-watch pay-per-view. I've seen people compare it to a very good episode of Dynamite. I don't even... Look, if you want to go down there, I'd say this would be an excellent episode of Dynamite. This would be one that we'd be buzzing about uh, for weeks beforehand. Because this is tremendous stuff. Orange Cassidy and John Moxley. Oka- uh, Okada. Omega and, and Takeshita. Like, those are marquee matches. But maybe not... You know, the, the earth-shaking, uh, 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 maybe not the earth-shaking matches that will get people, that get people emotionally involved into it, right? Again, it is nonsense, and I can't, we have to hammer this home every time, regardless of the build, regardless of what, you know, how things are put together, it is, you should never bet against the quality of an AEW pay-per-view because most of the time they're great shows all out great show aside from two things if you want to hear my full thoughts I gave my full review on Tuesday but overall like I can't say that all out was a bad show I can't even say it was an okay show or a good show I thought it was a great show just great matches all throughout again except for two and then you know even if you're you're not enchanted with how the build goes and so on and so forth. This is going to be a great show. Like it looks like on paper, I've been using I've been using the term scrappy. It looks like a it's a scrappy show. I used great. I want to pump the brakes. We'll use those those qualifiers once the show is done. I apologize for jumping the gun on that one. Got a little excited there. Um but it, it's a scrappy looking pay-per-view. And in a good, you know, put together and you know people always coming you know I know a lot of people are like what the fuck Shane Taylor and Samoa Joe if you're going what the fuck Shane Taylor you've never watched Shane Taylor wrestle that's all I have to say because the idea of Shane Taylor versus Samoa Joe on this pay-per-view I'm like sure maybe it feels a little uh, uh off offbeat okay I'll give you that but Jesus Christ that's gonna rule like that's one. That's a match I am absolutely looking forward to. Uh, Mox and uh, and Orange Cassidy is going to be a sneaky good match. Both of these guys are going to turn up here. So yeah, yeah, the the point I'm trying to make is that the card feels the card is good. It looks good on paper, and I think there's more to love here than the opposite I think that AEW's track record speaks for itself most of the time AEW cards deliver and over deliver but I can understand why people are like I'm going to skip this one there's nothing that connects with me there's no emotional attachment I'm just so exhausted I'm like whatever reasons I, I absolutely understand that and to be completely transparent with you completely honest I don't even know if CM Punk would be in, in, like in, in, disregarding everything okay disregarding the meta I don't even think CM Punk would move business significantly if he were on the show or not at this point because he's been all over the place because his builds have not been good and I say builds with plural because this has been a theme that when we've on the collision review, we've been talking about how CM Punk is just he's feuding with everyone. And he's feuding with he has feuds made up in his in his head too, trying to start things with MJF, it's not MJF isn't even giving him the light of day. He You know, he has his imaginary feud with uh, Hangman Adam Page, too. Now he's probably got another one he's trying to build off of. But, you know, and then, but like on Kayfabe, Samoa Joe, Ricky Starks, Jay White, like there was, there's a, a gaggle of people that he's all been, he's been throwing everywhere as if to say, well, one of these is going to stick. So I'm not saying that he's not a draw. I'm not saying that he's, you know, that he's, uh, he's washed or whatever. What I'm saying is in the context Right now, of CM Punk, kayfabe, storyline, what he's doing, he's so spread thin and all over the place. And I don't even know if he has an emotional investment match that people will get into. That people will be like, hell yeah, this is the thing. The big match that everyone is waiting for. I don't even think he has it. No one has it. Outside of Omega and Takeshita, which has been very it's been hinted at and teased at for weeks months even if you want but it's been on a but it, it's been a back burner it's been something that's been uh overshadowed with the bcc elite feud and now we're jumping right back into it and like it all makes sense don't get me wrong in storyline what i'm saying is the emotional investment in it right now i know look kenny was said to be ill and you know that's why he wasn't on Dynamite yesterday, uh, and that's why they did the gimmick with the, you know, which I thought was very good, by the way, uh, the the gimmick with the um, uh, with with the move by move analysis by Callis. You know, this is what you got to do, Konetskaya. You got to do this. You got to do. You got to do this. And I'm looking at all of that. I'm like, okay, well, that's a shame. They should have been. In the middle of the ring, they should have tried to get at it at, at each other. There should have been a pull apart brawl, or you know, uh, Takeshita knocks him the fuck out. Him being Omega, that's what should have happened. That's not what we got. Circumstances. Look, what are you going to do? This is this is the main problem that we're that we have right now with AEW booking up and down, uh, up and down the card. Is that things are booked so last minute, so slapdash that when things happen and by golly gee there's a lot of things happening in AEW. when things happen and 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 things get thrown for a loop you're like well the build is suffering if this had been like in on week three of the build to this pay-per-view and we still had three weeks to go kenny omega not showing up you'd be like well that's not so bad but kenny omega not showing up because of illness uh, the a few days before the pay per view for a match that has like no emotional investment, no real build to it, no nothing, just in its bubble, that you could push, push, push and add more intensity to it. uh Now you're like, oh shit, we're fucked. <laughs> we're fucked. There's there's nothing to this build now. But we always talk about build, and here, and and I'm cognizant of this. We talk about the build, but the pay-per-views, all oh, you know, most of the time, a solid—I'd say 85
1: percent of the time—you you can check me on my math—are fantastic. They're just great shows. So, look, this all came off of the, the point that I thought this show was doing
0: really good. You know, and will it be able to? Will the show this year be able to hit uh, hit the attendance of All Out in 2021? We'll find out. We'll find out. I mean, still like nine thousand tickets in the um, in the United Center. Like <laughs> you'd you need to get 10k people in the United Center, right? Like that. Anyway. I've talked enough about attendance and pay-per-views. I'm 21 minutes in. We haven't even started talking about the show. Let's go. John Moxley defeated Commander to open up the show. Good opener. Quite strong. I liked it. They do a great story with Commander here. Breaking Mox down, you know. Strikes, precision blows, you know. Well-placed moves as opposed to just like running. Like, it felt... It felt like it was smartly executed by Commander who wasn't just like running to the ropes trying to do these fast-paced moves No, at some point he's like toe-to-toe, but his strikes are smart. He's just not laying into him. He's doing doing good work Uh goes for the rope walk 450, but moxley I think he lifts his knees if i'm not mistaken And then mox strings together the king kong lariat the pile driver the rear the rear choke and a juji katami for the win. So Good stuff. I'll tell you I'll tell you one thing, luchadors putting over the heavyweights on AEW Dynamite just proves to us that the spirit of WCW Nitro lives on even today.
1: (laughs) Uh, Look, I'm on the record.
0: I've talked about it. Commander never wins
1: in the Tony-verse. Not even in Ring of Honor. You know, so here's the thing. Like, I'm
0: super excited at the idea of having these great uh, luchadors on, on my TV. But it'd be nice if once in a while they got a win. You just, And you can just put them in a cool match and have some guys win some matches. Like, come on that right now. I'm like, all right. Feels like a J-Brown right now. But a good opener, strong opener, two notes. John Moxley came out alone. None of the... And I think this was, you know, by design and it made sense. And anyway. Good opener. We get then a video package for Orange Cassidy's uh, international championship reign, uh, which is fantastic. There's a lot of people coming around on Orange Cassidy after the promo last night. But you, the A-plus audience of this D-list podcast have already been on the Orange Cassidy train for months at this point because I have been putting this boy over. And you guys know, and gals and non-binary pals, let me not exclude anyone here. You all know how great he has been. Just a tremendous run. What did they say last night? 30 successful defenses. This is an all-time run. This is an all-time run, especially by modern standards. This is an all-time championship run. A legitimate one, a real one, a true one We're not inventing imaginary milestones And the guy goes out I say this every time Has good to great matches Every single time And he's been on practically every week You can count on one hand The number of weeks That Orange Cassidy has not been on TV wrestling
1: Since the beginning of his run It's tremendous stuff We'll talk about it a little later.
0: We get, uh, we see the Young Bucks in their locker room at, uh, this is was shot at Wembley. And they're like, oh, what's supposed to be our night? They're they're being, they're moping. And uh, FTR uh, arrived and they said, hey, brother, we showed you respect. What's the deal? They're like, oh, well, you know, we're just disappointed. You know, we got worked up. You know, this is the company we founded. And I'm like, yes, see, someone, listens to my show because this is the verbiage. Well, I might be exaggerating, but this, that's the verbiage I've been using. This is their show, it's their company. I want the dominant Young Bucks
1: title run. I want it, I, it should happen. FTR's having it, which is fine, don't get me wrong, I like FTR, but this is the Bucks' home. It's their
0: place. Anyway, there are the uh, the uh, the bullet club goal. Then appeared they were like in the far end of the locker room. They were looking, and then they they were just like in the corner of the locker room, and the Bucks never saw them there. I I look I I, I don't know about locker room logistics in 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 England. So I I it's it was just a weird shot because FDR come in through the come in through the door to the locker room where the Bucks are there, and the Bucks are going murr, murr, murr. and then they talk right, but then. It, Bullet Club Gold, like, arrived from the other side of the locker room. Was there a door there? I can only assume there was a door there. And that they weren't just, like, you know, in the corner, in the shadows, and the Bucks never noticed, or FTR, anyway. uh, Eventually, this turns into uh, a match for All Out, where the Bullet Club Gold, all four guys will take on FTR and the Young Bucks, who agreed to a truce, I guess, to knock some sense into these guys. That should be a lot of fun. Especially, I mean, look, the guns are what they are. But, you know, you have Juice and Jay who have run so many multi-man New Japan matches. They know, how, you know, they know how to turn it out. I mean, I'm fine with this. I think this is a good little, this will be a, a good little match. Get a recap of Soraya winning the AEW Women's world championship which leads us to tony storm chatting with renee paquette backstage (laughs) and tony is she has sunk to even deeper depths of depression and it is fantastic of course we're this is you know i don't i don't take joy in people's depressions don't get me wrong but when it's done in such a fashion in such a, a caricatural fashion I, you know, I enjoy it. And she says, now she has no more friends. Soraya went off script. Uh, uh, Ruby left me there to die. No friends, no title, no future. And she gets uh, she gets mad and she walks away. She says, everything is coming apart. I hate everything. I even hate these shoes or something. And she chucks it. In a, the shoe throwing is fantastic. Uh, you know what would have made this better? You know how on Collision, when she does her promos, she doesn't know who Lexi Nair is? When she says, the girl last week, you know, she she gets interviewed one week by Lexi Nair. The next week, she gets interviewed by Lexi Nair again, she says, the girl last week was very rude, but it's the same girl, Lexi's like, it was me, you know? And then she comes, she she gets set up with Renee, and it would have been really fucking funny if she had said, you know, Lexi, you know, she starts off, you know, Lexi, I'm depressed. That would have been tremendous but this is all tremendous tony storm right now is a is an unequivocal bright spot on aw weekly programming like systematic not only is she a tremendous wrestler but this i am depressed stuff her jane crawford era her her disaffected hollywood starlet era is Tremendous stuff Chris Jericho hits the ring Talks about the Majesty that was all in And uh, his match with Will Ospreay Is going to be one of his favorites It's a show he'll never forget He also mentions that um, Fozzie played in front of their Biggest audience the night before Whatever, I don't know But there's something that he would like to forget And that is how he treated Sammy Guevara His brother Sammy Guevara uh, how he treated him after the match you know and he to get it off he wants to get it off his chest so sammy gets to the ring jericho tells him that you know outright tells him i'm sorry for pushing you after the match i was frustrated in the loss and i shouldn't have taken it out on you sammy i just thought you were going to do more to ha- that uh, you know i didn't know if you had done everything you you could do to help me out but you know i saw the replay and he, you know shows it on the Tron. I saw the whole thing when, it was, when with the bat. Like, there was this one bat shot. So, they replay that. He's like, I'm really sorry. I apologize. The boys shake hands. Jericho says he feels better. He's been playing the match over and over again. But, you know, tried to figure out how he could have won. Or if, you know, if Sammy had hit him with the bat, had hit Osprey with the bat harder, Yura says, whoa there, partner. Says it's, you know, it's funny, because he figures, you know, what if Jericho had hit him a little harder with the Judas effect? Maybe he could have got it done. Jericho says he doesn't want to add, uh, he doesn't want, uh, he he doesn't want Sammy to get insulted or get angry, but, you know, sometimes he asks Sammy to do things, and they'll turn out the way that he he had envisioned it. Gerardo says, oh, did you envision, uh, did you envision uh a, uh, a, uh, me leaving my pregnant pregnant wife to fly to London to help you and not win the match, you know, and, you know, Jericho emphasizes that, you know, you were on a show that a lot of talent backstage would have killed to be on, which he's not wrong. Anyway, they do a lot of ba- passive-aggressive back-and-forth uh, including, you know, Guevara bringing up the, the Outback Steakhouse belt incident, and Jericho... Jericho, though he says, you know, I want to bring back Les sex gods, and we're gonna go for the tag team titles, you and I. So they're gonna have a, a a match on the road to the titles next week. So that's that's uh, so that we're we're going down we're going down that road there again. You know, if I had been Chris Jericho, I would have been something. You know, I would have. Uh, if I had been Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara brings up the steakhouse thing you know he says you know you went to eat steaks at a steakhouse and you you lost the titles I would have if I had been Chris Jericho I would have said something like uh, you know so that's right you know yeah I lost the championship outside a steakhouse and that would have never happened if I had ordered Omaha steaks right to my door that's right I could have had perfectly aged steaks delivered directly to my door and each steak is trimmed by master butchers and backed with a money-back guarantee, like, if you, but, that would have been really funny, if you asked me, um, so, we're doing this, we're doing, I mean, obviously, I'm, look, this is probably another angle to put, uh, to put another guy over, Chris Jericho has to start winning matches, and I know a lot of people out there, a lot of you listening, are saying Warren you've lost your mind because there's some people who have this unreasonable disdain for Chris Jericho now if you don't like as I always say if you don't like him personally you don't like his politics that's a whole other thing but I'm talking in the context I get I'm here to analyze pro wrestling for you so in the context of what he's doing in AEW he is irreproachable and for some reason people think he's always the center of attention he's you know he always wins and guys that He's always constantly putting guys over, and I can't harp on this enough. Constantly putting other guys over, having them win, putting them in big matches. You know, his feud with Ricky Starks, Ricky Starks beat him clean. Twice. So what do we do? Like, I don't know what to tell you. Now, if you don't like the push that the people that he's defeated get now, that's not Chris Jericho's fault. There's two people that you can blame for that potentially. One of them being the wrestler cuz it's a wrestler's job to stay over and if he's not getting it done, that's not on Chris Jericho and two, uh booking. If he's not being booked properly, if the you know, if uh, if creative is being, you know, sloppy and and moronic with him, again, not Chris Jericho's fault. Jericho can only do as much as he can within the confines of his feud of his program with that wrestler after that it's not up to him anymore so and yes Chris Jericho is going to be on TV every week because he's Chris Jericho because he's a he's a star he's a draw and I am willing to bet willing to put my hand deep into the fire on this one that there are that they have people lined up That there are people, there are guys in that locker room and I would even say there are ladies in that locker room lined up to feud with Chris Jericho because that way they're guaranteed TV time every fucking week. But the thing here is that Chris Jericho hasn't won, he hasn't won a big feud in forever. I think the last thing that he really, where he really got a big win over someone that he was feuding with it was eddie kingston and that match was terrible and it all petered out and it wasn't great we have to stop pretending
1: that chris jericho is this cancer that is destroying the locker room he's doing his part so this all leads me to looking at this and go
0: oh so he's going to feud with sammy And this is to get Sammy over as a babyface. This experiment is still ongoing. Tony Khan believes that Sammy Guevara is going to be our babyface. Okay, let's see how this goes. He put him in the hands of Chris Jericho. Jericho is going to make sure that everything comes together. Now, all of this is going to be up to Sammy for this to work, especially once it's over. But again, we got Chris Jericho, who's going to be probably on on the losing side of things. Again, enough's enough. Yeah, the boy needs his heat back at some point too a good heel because he's going to be a heel in this situation with Guevara let's not let, we, we might have been flip-flopping here baby face a little bit tweening if anything but he's going to be a heel with this uh, Sammy Guevara stuff anyway Blackpool Combat Club cut a promo We're Moxley Talks about his match with Orange Cassidy. This leads us to the New Japan Strong Openweight title match where Eddie Kingston successfully defended his title for the first time. Good for you, Eddie, against Wheeler Yuta. Another great reaction for Eddie Kingston. Beloved Eddie Kingston. And in this match, Eddie Kingston in the Kawada black and yellow, Yuta in the Misawa green and white. So that was not lost on me. Good heat segment by Wheeler Yuta. Um... Eddie Kingston lands a tope, which, all right, let's go. Uh, Kawada chops and an exploder, a German suplex by Yuda, a Saito by Eddie. And it takes two back fists to take Wheeler down. Now, and and, and, and Eddie wins. Uh, interesting little thing here that we should always note. When, you know, on the types of finishers that are used and are required to uh, to, to put people away. You know, because Eddie also has the Northern Lights bomb As a finisher, which he used a lot in New Japan So, you know, there's finishers There's secondary finishers And there's finishers that you use to put out That you can use to just take out under guys But then you have the big finishers To take out the the, the prime main event guys, right? So, the back fist So, there's still like I'm not convinced as to whether the back fists uh, Are no longer Eddie's finisher Or are we transitioning to the Northern Lights Bomb? But whatever it is, let's say the backfists have become the secondary finisher. Well, Yuda had to take two of those to put him out. So that would indicate, at the very least, that Wheeler Yuda's um standing is improving. If the lesser finishers aren't doing the job, or more particularly, if you if you need to land two finishers to take the guy out, that means that Wheeler Wheeler Yuda's booking is rising slowly he's no longer you can't really see him as a a prelim guy anymore just a guy that you could take out with let's say was fighting chris jericho with a code breaker you're gonna have to pull out uh you're gonna have to pull out the judas effect on this one which is jericho's top finisher right now or it could be that eddie's arm which was worked throughout the match was just a little weaker and needed either way i think this is an interesting little wrinkle to keep an eye on for Wheeler Yuta moving forward, I think this might be a little bit of a, a little bit of a bump here, a little story bump in the career progression, kayfabe is, uh, at the very least, of Wheeler Yuta. After the match, Claudio Castagnoli comes to ringside to uh, to help Yuta back, and he completely no sold Eddie Kingston, didn't even look at him at all. And that this led to a match where getting Eddie Kingston and Katsuyuri Shibata at All Out versus Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta. You see what I mean when I'm telling I'm telling you it's a scrappy little pay-per-view. Like that match
1: is pretty dope. Scrappy. Uh Adam Cole and MJF
0: talk at uh, backstage at All In and uh you know Max cuts out a fantastic promo. What do you want from me? You know he, you know he says, "Hey, you know you drop me on my neck a little too much, but you know now I'm taking a week off and I'm gonna, you know, gonna, I'm gonna go have sex. I'm gonna go have a baguette." This is basically what he was saying. Um, so you know, short, sweet little segment. Um, then we have uh, Rene Paquette with Sammy Guevara. Don Callis comes in to schmooze Sammy but Sammy's on to him he says shut the fuck up hit the bricks pal and he's pretty aggressive about it too it's not like
1: no he's like hit the bricks I know what you're trying to do Jericho's my boy okie dokie then we get Adam Cole who hits the ring talking about all in
0: says that you know it hurt to lose in the main event but you know one day he'll get another shot right now he's worried about MJF and then Adam
1: Adam Adam He does it like 3 times before before Cole even acknowledges it. I'm
0: like, "Come on. We we heard him the first time." Roderick Strong, of course. He's there with the kingdom. Uh, Roddy is upset, of course, that Adam cares more about MJF's neck than his. He still has the neck brace, of course. Mike Bennett uh, is on the mic. Good little promo, I found. Used to, he says they used to be tight, and they got signed to Ring of Honor together. They were, you know, you were at my wedding. You did my, you you, you put my bachelor's party, my 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 bachelor party together. Matt Taven says, you know, you jump shit. The Bullet Club, so that you can make all that sweet, sweet merch money. Then jump to Florida. We know what surrounded yourself with old, with their old friends. You know what we're talking about here, NXT. Now he wants to come back here a changed man. Eh, eh. Well, he didn't say that. He says he's a liar and a leech. He's always latched on to people. And now he's latched on to that corny Melvin MJF. Now, I don't know how Max feels about that, but it's a funny line. Um, and Roderick Strong basically says that he's entering himself into the Grand Slam tournament and do what Cole couldn't do, and that is beat MJF for the title. Um, and, uh, Cole says, well, you're not, you're not medically cleared. Uh, Roderick Strong says, fuck you, because I'm a legend. I'm a wrestling legend, so. You know, I know a lot of people really don't like Roderick Strong and all of this. I think, I, you know, I think he... You know wrestling sometimes is just pure old fashioned corny and this is what he's doing and he's doing it well. And you know it's over the top, it's exaggerated and I I think it's fine. I think it's I think it's fine and again, you know, everything that has to do with the MJF Cole storyline, everything that happens in the ring in post match promos, pre match interviews, in all this stuff, it all works for me. It all works. It's the vignettes I can't stand. I think they're stupid. And when we don't get matches and we get whatever we got in the main event of All Out. But listen, I'll tell you one thing. Very bold. Very, very bold right now. For, um, for uh, Dynamite, for AEW, to be like, um, yeah, we're going to start talking about the Arthur Ashe th- thing. And we're going to start teasing for the arthur ash show grand slam because i i think i'm getting ahead of myself so he's let me just recontextualize here i'm trying to say too many things at once and we'll give a little more context so there's an eliminator tournament that has been announced thanks to roderick strong there's an eliminator tournament over the next few weeks to build up a contender to challenge mjf for the title at arthur ash I am so sick of these Eliminator tournaments, boys and girls. I cannot do this anymore. And I think it's, I think this is a symptom of how slapdash the booking has been. I don't think it's interesting. I don't think it's good. There's been too many of these. This is a default mode. I think it shows a lack of direction overall on a title that previously in the, in, in very recent memory. It had been plotted out. We knew where this was going. Everything felt everything felt like, like there was a purpose around the world title. Now it's like, oh, well, we're not building anyone anymore. We're doing tournaments to determine challengers. I, what are we doing? So we're doing that for Arthur Ashe for Grand Slam on, uh, on September 20. And now we're teasing Roderick Strong versus
1: uh MJF for the title at the stadium show which is bonkers that's a that is a ballsy fucking move that is a ballsy move cuz i don't know call me uh, call me a a a you know
0: Off my rocker. Call me a fuddy-duddy. But MJF versus Roderick Strong. As much as I am interested in the match. Because they're both great wrestlers. Doesn't scream sellout show. And it is a doubly ballsy move. When you consider that the Arthur Ashe tickets. Are not moving.
1: 5,389. As of today, right now, according to WrestleTicks, have been distributed. At this point last year, we had many, many more tickets sold. I think there were double tickets sold at this point last year.
0: The first, the first Arthur Ashe show, 2021, seventy-nine. Last year, a bit of a drop, 13,021, 13,321, excuse me. Again, all according to WrestleTix. And now we are not even close to cracking 10K. And we're teasing MJF versus Roderick Strong. There is nothing else announced for
1: the card so far, I get it. I just think it is a fucking ballsy move. That's all. Otherwise, I, I like the segment. I thought everyone,
0: yeah, Matt Taven's not necessarily the greatest promo. It's fine. I think Mike Bennett was very good. I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was good. And I know people are really annoyed with it. They're annoyed over the entire... Uh, if you want to hear how I feel about the Adam Cole MJF feud, I think I talked about it for like 37 hours on the podcast. On the Mr. Warren Hayes show this past uh, this past week. So that's available for you right now on demand on YouTube or on audio as well. Um, so I'm not going to rehash all of that, but I think a lot of people are really annoyed by how this is going and I understand why I expressed everything and I myself am very partial. Not partial. I am very conflicted. That's the word I was looking for, uh, because there's as much as I like a lot of things. There's a lot of things that I really don't like. I think everything was fine here. I enjoyed this. I don't, I I thought it was a good segment. I just don't know if
1: the end game here is going to be interesting. We got Penta Oscuro, who's cutting a promo
0: for his match later on with uh, Orange Cassidy. Then we had uh, Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida, and Chris Statlander defeating Emi Sakura, Marina Shafir, and Nyla Rose in a trios match. I think this was okay, but it made me realize that I missed the the multi-women matches that AEW was running for a while. You remember that? A couple of months ago, every week or so, you'd get... A trios match, a tag team match, an eight-person match, an eight-woman match. You know, and they felt like Road 2 shows, but they were telling great stories in the ring. Like, everything that they were wanting to, that they were trying to perpetuate, give stories to, it was all happening in the ring. And this was when Tony Storm was champion, and, 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 and it, was, it was good. Because then you saw the champion wrestle, and she was wrestling here, and she always looked great and i think it added to her prestige made her come across as a workhorse so it made me miss those matches here emmy sakura did a lot of the heavy lifting in here i don't know if this was booked to quell the fires of the emmy defenders who were really fucking mad she didn't have a match at uh um that she was that she didn't have a match at wembley I don't know if this was a, but we got we we got here. There was some miscommunication between Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida, which, you know, culminated with Britt super kicking Shida and a big splash by Statlander and the Wednesday Night Fever. I guess the name of her finisher changes depending on what night she's wrestling. Wednesday Night Fever for the win. Hey, look at this. We're breaking the TBS title bubble. We're getting women involved in the world title picture into a TBS environment here. Oh, gee, willikers. Look at that. This is interesting. This is good. I like it. Which is what they should be. They should have been doing for months. Should have done this with... um, They should have been doing this with uh, Jade. I'm not complaining. Better late than never. This is fine. After the match, uh, Statlander gets blindsided by Ruby Soho, who does the no future, then makes off with the belt. She's challenging it all out this weekend. Then we have the spot. I talked about it earlier. We have Don Callis watching tape with Takeshita, and he's doing it. it it's one of these touch screens, and He's like, you got to do this. I really like that, showing x-rays of omega's injuries he's got no cartilage here you know he's got c3 c4 are compromised which i i relate to it's the same thing with me in my neck so i relate to kenny omega like what we're the we're essentially the same person is what i'm trying to say um (laughs) so uh no i like that i like this and you know and 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 um Chalice outright, outright says, you know, if all else fails, we'll just stab him in the fucking head with a screwdriver again, and Takeshita's like, yeah, let's do this, so, it would have been in, a, in another universe, we have Omega and Takeshita nose to nose, right, but we're not in that universe today, then we get the acclaimed who made their who do their championship celebration, look, You know this isn't for me. And it is not for me. And I hate championship celebrations. It looks too much like what the other guys do. But then again, we're doing a lot of what the other guys do. We're doing a lot of it. So, mark my words. Mark my words that what I, from what I told you on Tuesday, mark my words. The more sports entertainment stuff gets into the company and is used at the highest levels of the card, the more the undercard guys and
1: gals will want to do some. Mark my words. So honestly, you know, they're talking about stuff, they're, you know, they, and, they,
0: and they reveal, they have a big reveal where they have pink belts for the trio's titles. Um, you know, I don't have an opinion on it. I really don't. It doesn't bother me. I know some people are very, it it either goes one way or the other when it comes to title redesigns, right? It's like people really hate, it's either people really hate designs for specific people or, uh, or they're really into it and it doesn't matter or they're really into it. To me, it, it doesn't like it's, it's nothing egregious. You're changing the color of the strap. I don't give a shit. Oh, and yes, the, the, the straps now do the scissoring thing. Hey, look, this responds perfectly. This is for the people who are super into the uh, the acclaimed stuff. And that's fine. This is for people who are super into the acclaimed stuff, which is not me. And I'm sure you all enjoyed it. But it, it, it's not for me. The acclaimed stuff is not for me. But good for everyone involved, good for Billy Gunn for having a title run at the, you know, at the tail end of his career. Like, for like, I have no issues with all of this, and, yeah, and I will always be, I will always speak very highly of the acclaimed and how they got themselves over. I don't want to rehash all these points that I, that I, reha- that I feel like I have to rehash every fucking time I say the acclaimed isn't for me because people think I think it's awful. I just don't like it, and I understand why, but I understand why people think it's good. And I have no issues with it outside of that. It's just, it's not for me. Um, and, 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 And I'm a big Anthony Bowens guy. I think Anthony Bowens is fantastic. You know, this guy has a career
1: whenever this expires. He's good. He's fine. He's great, actually. He's got all the tools. Anyway, let's move on to the main event. International title match. Orange Cassidy defeated
0: penta oscuro and i thought this was a really good main event they got uh, over 15 minutes for this one too penta gorilla, gorilla presses orange cassidy off a of tope and chucks him into the barricade that was a cool ass spot i love that the guys do dives a tope by cassidy and a tope con hilo by penta they trade destroyers like three in a row and from what i hear and from what I hear, people are aggravated about this on the X, on the Twitter. Of course, as you know, I am no longer, uh, I don't post there anymore. I don't get involved and that's like it's a, anyway, I'm off of it for all the reasons I've talked about in the past. I'm on Blue Sky though right now. If you've been able to tell the bouncers that you're part of the band and you were able to get in, um, please find me on Blue Sky. Blue Sky's uh, dope as hell. I'm having a good time trade destroyers, uh, so yeah, so people are uh, upset that uh, they're doing Canadian destroyers as transitional, I, I, are we still having this fucking argument in 2023 destroyers as transitional moves, like at this point, if you are still harping on this, um, turn off your TV, stop watching modern pro wrestling, Like, this has to stop. And just like the DDT was a finisher before, it is now a transitional move. Just like the Superplex used to be a finisher, it is a transitional move. The Superkick and so many others, this is how wrestling evolves. I couldn't... This is the most boring discussion that exists in professional wrestling today. How is... It used to be a finisher and now it's not anymore. It's been devalued. Yes, it's a transitional move. And it looks cool. Who fucking cares? I don't give a shit. Your favorite transitional move these days was very likely a a, a true to form finisher back in the day. No one puts people away with Steiner screwdrivers anymore. You know what I mean? Like, anyway anyway let's move on back to the match uh there's this absolutely sick fear fa- factor on the apron like i thought cassidy landed on the crown of his head that like that was perfectly shot well done cassidy finished the match He seemed fine we're not gonna we're not gonna police this one it looked it looked gnarly but it, if everyone comes out okay not worse for wear no one dead, no one severely injured. Then they did their job as professional wrestlers to make us believe that the move looked awful or looked harsh or looked gnarly. Sick, as I said. arm snapped by Penta in the ring and a fear factor right in the middle of the ring. I bit, I thought this was done. Cassidy kicks out. I, I bit. And then he rolls Penta into the mousetrap for the win, like completely out of nowhere. Fantastic stuff. And then we get so, and the thing here with 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 Cassidy is that he's continuing this story, this ongoing story, and he said it himself in that fiery post match promo. Now we're just completely not used to hearing Orange Cassidy do, but I think was necessary here, and we'll talk about it in a second. But I just want to get this out of the way. His body's breaking down. He's trying his best. He tried to do a beach break in the match and it, you know, sort of flubbed. And I think that was intentional where he can't do his, his, his own signature slash finishers anymore. We know the orange punch is ineffective. He had to have glass on his hand to take out Claudio with it. We know like his body is broken down in k He's injured. You know, he's practically, he's practically just a roll of Kinesio tape at this point. So... This is the story where they're telling, and it's been fantastic. And he's been for months now, he's been sneaking out wins, just being the smarter guy. He can't rely on his own, uh, on his old things. And we were all, we're all the story in Orange Cassidy's run here is who's going to take advantage of all of his shortcomings to get us to this point? And he cuts a great promo after Fiery talking about Mox and it was good stuff and you're a little taken aback because you're like okay Cassidy doesn't usually do this so this made the match feel important his match with Orange Cassidy and quite frankly this has to be the main event because there there's nothing that has been built for this show that feels quite like this I, I think this is the main event of the show the international title and he ends his promo saying and he's all fired up and he's saying Orange you know John Moxley, I'm going to beat you all out and I'm going to remain the international champion because I'm Orange Cassidy and I don't have a catchphrase. And this is the brilliance of that promo where you have something that feels completely out of character for Orange Cassidy, something that, that you're, he's not supposed to be talking like this. He's not supposed to be fired up this is a laid-back dude this is a guy that you know he doesn't get bothered by anything he's chill as fuck so there's a bit of a character break but then just with that final line he brings it all right back to oh we have not lost the essence of orange cassidy this is still it we got it there's the joke and it works in 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 character and i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you Orange Cassidy, who was a comedy wrestler, who did comedy bits, has elevated himself to this point, who has been pushed to this point, and he has adapted his style to not just come across as a guy who does bits, who does comedy, who can be taken seriously as a pro wrestler. And this was before, this was in in motion before the international title run, but the international title run has only solidified that. Don't forget last year, at forbidden door he was fighting uh, he was fighting uh will osprey now it wasn't a comedy match this was not a yano will osprey match from a g1 somewhere this that match was fantastic and people have been clamoring for you know the the cream of these pro wrestling he wrestled shibata we want to we want a proper. Uh, Orange Cassidy, Zack Sabre Jr. match, which is a match I feel like a lot of us who, who were into Forbidden Door this year in 2023, we feel we got cheated out of. This is something I think we would have really liked. Probably the politics of the titles got in the way. But this is something I think everyone would love to see. There's a lot of things people want to see with Orange Cassidy now. And I, a lot of people woke up last night, but we, we've been on this train. Here at the Mr. Warren Hayes
1: Show, we've been on this train for months. For well over a year. Legendary
0: run that uh, that 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 Cassidy is having right now with the international title. It, it's hard to uh, Gunther maybe having something similar with the with the IC title, but he hasn't had he hasn't packed in the amount of matches that Orange Cassidy has. Uh, Gunther's matches are fantastic, don't get me wrong. Not trying to do, it's maybe not as apples to apples as we might imagine, is what I'm trying to say. This ruled. And then Moxley comes down for the stare down. What more do you want? That's your main event. That's what you do. That's what you do. And moving forward, if Orange Cassidy within the next year is not part of, uh, is not a, 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 a legitimate part of the main event scene, There's a bunch of guys who should be in here. Hangman Adam Page should be back there. Swerve Strickland should be in the main event picture. Orange Cassidy should be in the main event picture. Cassidy is so over, it's ridiculous. Over in every building, people love him, kids get dressed up. Adults get dressed up as him. So what are we even doing? We're sitting on a gold mine. That was dynamite. Uh, what did I think of the show overall? Uh, it's hit and miss for me, but I enjoyed it overall. It's not going to be like, I liked it, but you know, we're not going to sit down and say, you know, though, this is one of the greatest of all time. And you know, I, I, a lot of people have been calling it a failure. If there was anything, I think that it did not feel like a big show, like it didn't feel like an important show coming off of the biggest pro wrestling show of all time. If that makes sense that I, I will completely agree with. And I think that's what you know maybe maybe expectations were a little high maybe the energy level wasn't there but i thought overall good show things are happening uh and we got some good matches out of it all it's going to be one that we're going to just relegate to history nothing super notable but absolutely not a definitely not a bad uh not a not a bad television show at all but we're gonna wrap this up right here and hopefully you didn't think this was bad either thank you very much for joining me for listening again uh one last pitch for likes and subscribes on youtube and reviews and ratings on the audio side of things as i mentioned earlier i will be back on sunday for a last minute collision review before we all settle in for all out in the meantime i hope you have a great rest of your week and i will see you next time